This morning, God's Word comes to us from 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to begin our reading at verse 10 and then read through the end of this chapter. Second Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 10, what we hear now is God's word. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of the Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 856 in the back section. This is the Belgic Confession of Faith, and this morning I will read for for you uh, Article 7 of that confession. From page 856, Article 7, entitled, The Sufficiency of Scripture. We believe that this Holy Scripture contains the will of God completely, and that everything one must believe to be saved is sufficiently taught in it. For since the entire manner of service of which God requires of us is described in it at great length, No one, even an apostle or an angel from heaven, as Paul says, ought to teach other than what the Holy Scriptures have already taught us. For since it is forbidden to add to or subtract from the Word of God, this plainly demonstrates that the teaching is perfect and complete in all respects. Therefore, we must not consider human writings no matter how holy their authors may have been, equal to the divine writings. Nor may we put custom, nor majority, nor age, nor the passage of time or persons, nor councils, decrees, or official decisions above the truth of God. For truth is above everything else. And all human beings are liars by nature and more vain than vanity itself. Therefore, we reject with all our hearts everything that that does not agree with this infallible rule, as we are taught to do by the apostles, 
when they say, test the spirits to see if they are of God. And also, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. This is our confession of faith. Well, we have been looking together at the perfections of the Word of God as they are listed for us in the Belgic Confession. This is the last article of the Confession, uh, focusing particularly on God's Word. This section was introduced reminding us that there are two ways in which God reveals Himself. He reveals Himself in general revelation, that which we see around us, and He reveals Himself more particularly in special revelation, that is, in His Word. We said that the Word of God is inspired. It is breathed out by God Himself. Now, truly, God used human authors to write that Word, but He used the particular uh, personalities of those authors to bring us an inspired and infallible Word. We talked about God's Word being authoritative, that to which we should add nothing, that from which we should subtract nothing. Remember, kids, I said last week, I wear this lapel pin. It says, sola scriptura, the Bible alone. That's all that we need, not the Bible plus anything else, but we need all of the Bible. And this morning, we talk about the sufficiency of Scripture. And really, if you think about it, The fact that Scripture is sufficient flows from the other perfections. If, in fact, what we have in Scripture is the Word of God, if it is inspired, if it is authoritative, then certainly it contains everything that we need to know to serve God properly. Sufficiency flows from its inspiration and its authority. Verse 17 of our text, speaking of sufficiency, this is the classic text on sufficiency. The Word of God is that which is uh, is good for us, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And again, kids, if you were going to try to guess which text I would use this morning about sufficiency, this is the text you would probably guess. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, is the text on sufficiency. But like the other perfections, sufficiency of Scripture is at times misunderstood. What do we mean when we say Scripture is sufficient for faith and Scripture is sufficient for life? It is sufficient that we might know God. It is sufficient that we might live for God. There's often misunderstanding about the nature of sufficiency. And so we're going to look at that this morning from this text in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. When we say that the Word of God is sufficient, we don't mean that the Bible tells us everything we could know. Uh, The Bible makes reference to uh, numbers of things, but kids, the Bible is not primarily a math book. The Bible makes references to places in the world, real places that exist, but the Bible is not primarily a geography book. 
The Bible gives us history, real history that actually took place. But the Bible's not intended to be a history book. It gives us only a thin slice of all that God did throughout history. When we say sufficiency, we don't mean that the Bible teaches everything we could or that we can know. But we mean it teaches everything we need to know. Everything we need to know for our faith. That's where our confession begins. We believe that this Holy Scripture contains the will of God completely and that everything one must believe to be saved is sufficiently taught in it. Everything we need to be saved is sufficiently taught therein. What does our text say at the end of verse 15? You know these things which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. By knowing the Holy Scriptures, you are wise for salvation. As we said a couple weeks ago, that is, that is where special revelation differs from general revelation. General revelation, the fact that God reveals himself in nature, tells us that God exists. But general revelation does not reveal to us the way of salvation. For that we need the Holy Scriptures. They are sufficient to teach us what is necessary unto salvation through Jesus Christ. In the Scriptures, we learn that God created a perfect man and woman and placed them in the Garden of Eden, and yet by their own willfulness... They, choose to, they chose to go away from the Word of God and follow their own desires and plunge themselves and plunge everyone else, all their posterity, into sin. A sin that they could do nothing about. A sin out of which they could not save themselves. It's in the Scriptures we read what God did to solve that problem, how He sent his only begotten son. We celebrate that this time of year, the coming of Jesus, celebrated at Christmas time. He came, that perfect son of God, lived among sinful men and women, was willing to go all the way to death, to a cruel death on the cross, and was raised again on the third day for our salvation. It's in Scripture that all of these things are taught. That in Jesus Christ we have the complete and only Savior for our sins. And so once again this morning, that, that clarity for salvation is declared to you. That if you want to know how to be saved, how to be right with God, hear His Word. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and know the forgiveness of your sins, the only way to salvation. Scripture is, is sufficient for everything necessary for our faith unto salvation. And that's what, what uh, our author says when he says in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. It is useful, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And he gives us these four ways in which scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And there is a, there's a, a difference of nuance in uh, the first two of these terms and the last two of these terms. The first two terms, teaching and reproof, refer to our faith, our instruction in the faith. 
And the last two, for correction, for training in righteousness, deal with how we live. We'll get to those in just a couple minutes. Scripture is sufficient. It is profitable for teaching. It teaches us proper doctrine. It teaches us the truth about who God is and what he has done for us. And so if people have questions about salvation, we take them to the word of God. It's profitable for teaching, for instruction in sound doctrine. And people sometimes say, oh, you, uh, you reform folks, uh, you're the ones, you're the ones who believe that, that uh, salvation uh, is up to God and not you, that you don't really have to do anything for salvation. And, and we think we're really responsible. We say, okay, well, let, let's look at that. And we go to God's word. And it's profitable for teaching. We take someone to a text like Ephesians chapter 1. Election. How God shows us before the foundations of the earth. It's profitable, it's useful for teaching true doctrine. Some folks say, oh yeah, you, you, uh, you Calvinists, you're the ones that, that say, you know, it doesn't matter how we live, God just simply chooses to send people to hell for no particular reason. Reprobation. And we take them to the Word of God. We take them to a text like, like Romans chapter 9 that teaches how it is God who chooses some for salvation and who passes by some for salvation. The Scriptures are profitable for our faith, for instruction in proper doctrine unto salvation. Some folks say, no, really, you know, you, you guys, you, you reform folks, you put way too much emphasis on grace. It's all of grace. All of it. What about my works? Don't I have to do something to be saved? And the word of God is profitable for teaching. And we take them to Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourself, so no one can boast. It's a gift of God. It is not by works. The scriptures are profitable for our faith. Profitable for teaching what is true. For teaching and for reproof. This has to do with pointing out uh, what the errors are. Now we're talking about our faith. What the teaching is what we should believe and the reproof what we should not believe. That, that we can be wrong about matters of faith. And that's a, a position that is not appreciated today. How can you really be wrong about your faith? If you believe it sincerely, isn't that enough? Now, if we were talking about science, in science you can be wrong. There's right and wrong in science. But your faith, that's a matter of perspective. That's a matter of opinion. Kids, if I got up this morning and said to you, kids, in math, two plus two equals five. You can say, Reverend Niemeyer, that's not right. Two, I said, two plus two equals five. And you say, Reverend Niemeyer, no, it doesn't. It equals four. I say, no, no, I believe it. I'm sincere. I believe it equals five. You say, no, you're wrong. You're just plain wrong. It doesn't equal five, it equals four. In science, we have certainty. But somehow, when it comes to matters of faith, it becomes a matter of our perspective. If, if someone gets up and says, uh, you know, you say Jesus is the only way to salvation, 
But what about, what about a person who lives a really good life, who, uh, you know, maybe serves a God who he doesn't know, but tries to live in a really good way, who's never heard the name of Jesus, but is so kind and compassionate toward others. How can you say that there's only one way to salvation through Jesus Christ? Isn't that person saved too? And we say, no, they're not. And they say, well, it's a matter of your opinion. That's your perspective. I think they could be saved. I I believe it. I'm sincere. In faith, we can have certainty. There are things we may believe and things we may not believe because they're dead wrong. There is no other name given under heaven by which we can be saved. How do I know that? The Bible tells me that. There is no other way to salvation other than through Jesus Christ. That's out of my opinion. That's out of perspective. That is the truth of Scripture. And if we do not believe that, Scripture reproves us. There is certainty in faith. There is proper instruction in doctrine, profitable teaching, and profitable reproof. If we are believing that which is not right, we need to be corrected. The scriptures are sufficient for our faith. Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof. Scripture is sufficient for faith. It is sufficient for life, once again from our confession. For since the entire manner of service which God requires of us, is described in it at great length. No one, even an apostle or an angel from heaven, as Paul says, ought to teach other than what the Holy Scriptures have already taught us. The entire manner of service which God requires is described therein. How we live. The Scriptures are sufficient for our life. Now, once again, They don't necessarily tell us everything we want to know, but they certainly tell us everything we need to know. The scriptures might not give us specifics like like what job should I take or who do I need to marry. They don't tell us everything we want to know, but they give us everything we need to know to answer the the questions of how do we live. Scripture is profitable not only for teaching and and reproof in dealing with our faith, it is profitable for correction and for training in righteousness. These are ethical terms. These deal with how it is we live. Scripture profitable for correction. It, it, It gives us the boundaries in which we must live. And if we're outside those boundaries, Scripture corrects us. If we're thinking about what job we should take, Scripture doesn't tell us exactly what that is, but it gives us the boundaries within which we must must stay. It corrects us if we go beyond those. If we're thinking about a job, certainly it cannot be a job that is unlawful. It cannot be a job which brings offense to God. It cannot be a job which violates the law of God. Scripture corrects us. If we're trying to do these things outside of the bounds, it corrects us. It brings us back 
This is what we must do. This is how we should live. If we are thinking about um, whom it is that we should marry, uh, Scripture doesn't give us a name written down in the text, but certainly tells us what we need to know and corrects us if we're wrong. It, it, it gives us the boundaries within which we must stay. And if we're thinking about marrying someone, they most certainly may not be an unbeliever. That, that, that's outside the boundaries. Scripture corrects us. Those of you who have, I've had the privilege of doing premarital counseling with uh, know that there is a question I ask very, very pointedly in our counseling session. And the question that I ask very pointedly to each one of the people there is I say, are you a Christian? And they have to answer that question. I go to the other one, are you a Christian? And they answer that question. And then I say, not that I had any question about that, but if it's the case that one of you is a believer and one of you is not a believer, I am not allowed to marry you. And you are not allowed to marry each other. That's beyond the bounds. Scripture sets the boundaries. It corrects us when we go beyond them. Scripture is profitable for correction in our life, keeping us from going beyond the bounds of how we should live. Profitable for correction and profitable for training in righteousness. How do I live in a way that is pleasing to God? Not just what should I not do, correction, but what should I do? What kind of, of spouse should I be? I should be that, that husband who is willing to give up himself for the sake of his bride, as Christ did for the church. How should I live? Training in righteousness. I should be that wife who properly submits to her husband as the church submits to Christ. What kind of child should I be? I should be that child who is obedient to my mother and father, training in righteousness, living in a way that is pleasing to God. The scripture is profitable for our life, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The complete sufficiency of Scripture for faith and for life. And then I have the last point on our uh, outline this morning. Uh, sufficient for faith, sufficient for life, and sufficient for all. And by now, you know, that doesn't mean all circumstances. It is sufficient for all people. It is sufficient to instruct, to correct, to reprove, to rebuke all of us. Notice what, uh, what Paul says in verse uh, 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it. Continue in these truths, these truths of Scripture, which you have learned from others. The Word of God is inspired, it is authoritative, it is sufficient, but it needs to be taught to us. And so there are, there are tools that we use to teach the Scriptures. 
to bring us back into them. And one of those tools that we use is the confessions of the church. You know, some people will say uh, to a church like ours, look, you, you, you say the word of God is authoritative, uh, you say it's, it's uh, sufficient, uh, it's inspired, so why in the world do you have confessions? Why would you have anything else besides the Bible? Isn't that enough? And it is true, the Bible is enough, but there are helps that bring us deeper into the Word of God. And one of those helps is the confessions. Notice what it says, and again, this is often misunderstood from Article 7. He says, Therefore, we must not consider human writings, no matter how holy their authors may have been, equal to the divine writings. Nor may we put custom, nor majority, nor age, nor the passage of time or persons, nor councils, decrees, or official decisions above the truth of God, for truth is above all else. We may not consider these holy writings equal to the word of God. But it doesn't mean they have no value at all. There are men whom God has raised up to help us, to drive us back into his word. That's what the confessions do. They bring us back into the Word of God. We said last week or the week before, uh, whatever conforms to God's Word is that which what we learn from. It cannot detract from the Word of God. It must drive us back into the Word. We may not, not ignore a history of interpretation as if we come to, to the Word of God completely new and it's never been read before. There are wonderful helps that God has given to us. He says, knowing from whom you learned these things. There is value in instruction, but instruction from those that we can trust. Knowing from whom you learned these things. I said, I think it was in my Wednesday night class or maybe it was in a sermon a couple weeks ago, uh, the value of commentaries in learning scripture. And I said at that point, you can find a commentary that will agree with any position you want to hold. There's a wide range out there. So it's important to know from whom you learned these things. Looking at helps, looking at commentaries that will drive us back into the Word of God, not to say something outside of the Word of God. Knowing from who you learned this. It's sufficient for all people who are instructed in the ways of faith. And, and notice what he says, verse 15, knowing from whom you learned this and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. From your youth you learned this. It is never too soon to start training our children in these glorious truths. From your youngest days, you learned these things. When we have children, we, we pray that God would help us to instruct them, and he does that, but we're the ones that do the instruction. And we don't have to wait until they get to be a five years old to enter kindergarten to start teaching them the word of God. We don't wait till these things, till they can even talk. We sing to them the songs of Zion when we're rocking them to sleep. From your youngest days, you were trained in these ways. What a wonderful thing for our covenant youth to grow up and to say, you know, I don't remember a day 
that we didn't sit down for a meal and have a prayer together. From my youngest days, I don't recall a day when we didn't sit down for a meal and either before or afterwards, Dad would open up the Scriptures and he would read a portion of the Bible and explain it to us. From our youngest days. What a wonderful thing for children to grow up and to say, you know, I never knew a Sunday when we didn't join together for worship with God's people on Sunday morning and on Sunday evening. I never knew a day of my life that didn't happen. From our earliest days, from your youth, we are called to train our children in the sufficiency of God's Word, in the perfections of God's Word, that they might know that Word, that God might use that Word to bring their hearts to embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. The Scriptures are sufficient for all, for us as adults, for our children as well. They are sufficient for faith, teaching us all we need to know unto salvation. They are sufficient for life. How do we live in a way that's pleasing to God? And they are sufficient for adults and for children. May God give us a greater confidence, a greater desire to enter into his word, that which is authoritative, that which is inspired, and that which is sufficient, that we may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank you and praise you for your holy word. We thank you for all of its perfections. We thank you for its sufficiency. Lord God, give us a greater trust in your word. And as we trust that word, give us a greater desire to enter into that word, to read it regularly, to have it be a part of our lives, a part of our lives and the lives of our children. Bless us in this, O oh God, that we might grow in our desire for you, our children might grow in their love for you, and you might call each one of your own unto yourself. Hear our prayer, O oh God. For Jesus' sake, amen. We're going to sing together from number 243. Number 243. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say? Then to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. We're going to sing just verses 1 and 4 and 6. Just 1 and 4 and 6 of 243. Let's stand together as we sing.
receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.